Well, good morning, church family. Uh, it's good to join with you again uh, as we find ourselves on Wednesday uh, for our devotional here. It is October the 14th of 2020, and we're going to be finishing out uh, this section of verses 65 to 72, uh, and God deals with us according to his word. Uh, and so let's set our, our tone here by bowing for a word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for this uh, new day, Lord, and as we find ourselves uh, partway through another week, as we're approaching the end of 2020, that much more rapidly, uh, Lord, I pray that you would just use this to encourage our church family, uh, that as it encouraged my heart in studying and preparing for it, uh, that you would be glorified through all of it. And we'll pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and pick up our text this morning uh, as we take a look at verses 69 through uh, 72 to finish out this chapter. And I've paired uh, verses 69 and 70 together. And let me read those for you. It says, The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Let's take a look at verse 69, uh, because again, the, the psalmist finds himself on the receiving end of those who uh, do not honor the word of God, who do not love God. And so they are smearing him uh, with lies, things that are untrue. Uh, we know that the ninth commandment out of Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 16 says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, and the thing is, is that unregenerate man, those who do not know God, and even sometimes those who do know God can suppress this truth and unrighteousness, uh, where they, instead of telling the truth, find it more convenient to tell lies, sometimes to misdirect others uh, away from themselves and on others, uh, some just because uh, they are like the, uh, the, the uh, writer of Proverbs says in chapter 26, verse 28, that a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruins. Uh, so uh, those who speak lies actually hate the individual that they are speaking about. And the thing is, this is not characteristic of, of believers in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it changes how we are. Uh, listen to what Paul said to the church at Colossae in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians, starting in verse 9. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So in other words, lying used to be characteristic of who you were before Christ, but since that is not who you are, he says, don't lie to one another. Instead, uh, as one who, as in verse 10 says, has put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. So just like we looked earlier in the verses prior, uh, we spoke about the fact that uh, God has dealt well with his servant uh, and that he actually teaches him uh, good knowledge, uh, things that he can taste and make part of who he is. And so that is true for us today as believers, that God is renewing our knowledge. He's taking what we know in the sinful flesh and giving us uh, something that is beautiful, something that is honoring to God, something that glorifies God, because it's knowledge after the image of the Creator. And we know that our God does not lie, that he is truth and he tells the truth. Uh, and in Ephesians, also Paul says in chapter 4, verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So as we can see, this, the psalmist, as he's experiencing this um, uh, 
probably some anxiety with those who speak lies against uh, him, uh, he in, in turn chooses to have a whole different attitude because instead of allowing those who are spreading lies about him to bother him, notice what he says as he completes verse 69. He says, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. So in the midst of this, uh, you know, uh, insolent smearing, these people that are putting forth lies, the psalmist has openly chose not to allow that to affect him. Instead, what he's going to do is he's going to go to that one source that he knows is not going to allow him to basically camp in all of these lies, uh, to allow them to affect him in a negative way. Uh, Instead, he dedicates himself to the higher honor of keeping God's word. Uh, And in what way does he do it? Again, we see this being repeated multiple times through Psalm 119, but he does it with his whole heart. So everything that he is, everything that represents the psalmist, he is uh, giving over to God uh, and, and for the purpose of keeping God's precepts, to allowing God's truth to transform his thinking, to allow God's truth to speak to his situation, uh, a situation that finds himself on the in, uh, receiving end of slander and insolent smear, as he says here, lies that are not true about the psalmist. Well, you'll notice in verse uh, 70, he continues on with this fault where it says, their heart is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. Now, we don't typically speak like this where we say that someone's heart is unfeeling like fat. So let me help you understand this a little bit better. Uh, Fat actually can be translated rich. Uh, And so what are they rich in? What are are these people that, uh, as he states, are unfeeling uh, like fat? What are they uh, rich in? Well, they are rich in not delighting in the law of God like the psalmist is. Uh, And so basically their hearts are covered in this this feeling, uh, this unfeeling, I should say, uh, of uh, wanting to honor God. Uh, Their hearts are covered in fat, uh, in a richness uh, that is not benefiting them. It's in a richness that is actually bad for them. And I think this is why the, the, uh, uh, in the book of Proverbs, in the wisdom literature, we read in, in chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. See, the thing is, is that these uh, people that are coming and uh, smearing him with lies and in such a way that he says that their heart is unfeeling like fat, um, they have no life uh, because all they can do is find something that can be said to tear down people and that their heart is, is covered in this, this rich fat of, of negativity, this rich fat of, of not wanting to honor God and his word. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, in, starting in verse 12. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think here in this passage, uh, it is a good uh, call for us today, uh, because the, the fact is, is that sometimes even believers can act this way towards other believers, because they are thinking about themselves above others. Uh, because their interests are only the only thing that counts. You know, it says, take care. 
In other words, make sure brothers, those who are brothers and sisters in Christ who have experienced redemption, who have experienced forgiveness, who have experienced being freed from being a slave to sin. He says, lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. So is it possible for us to be that uh, enveloped with sin that even our hearts, as you look at them, seem to be unbelieving? Well, the thing is, is when we are pushing against the law of God, when we are pushing against that which is true, uh, then there is a chance for us, as it says here, leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, not in relation to salvation, because we know our salvation uh, is secure in Jesus Christ, that we are positionally uh, been clothed in Christ's righteousness. But the fact is, is we can walk away from the Lord and do these things to the point where we are at a loss for communion with God, that we've quenched the Spirit so that we're not walking with Him, abiding in Him, uh, and actually, you know, enjoying, as it were, this hardness and deceitfulness of sin in our heart to the point where our heart can be rich in things that do not honor God. But you'll notice that the psalmist, again, chooses to not allow this to affect him in a negative way because he says, but I delight in your law. I delight in your law. Listen to what Spurgeon said. He says, there is and always ought to be a vivid contrast between the believer and the sensualist. And that contrast is as much seen in the affections of the heart as in the actions of the life. Their heart is as fat as grease. And our heart is delighted with the law of the Lord. And so you'll see, as Spurgeon said, that there's a vivid contrast. The psalmist delights in the law of God. He doesn't let that unfeeling, insensitive, uh, as it says, deceitfulness of, of sin in Hebrews. He wants to keep his heart with all vigilance because from it flow the springs of life. Uh, and so guard yourself against being like those that the psalmist is speaking to, but instead choose to keep God's precepts with your whole heart and to delight in the law of God. Moving on to verse 71, uh, he goes on to say, It is good for me that I was afflicted. Oh, stop. It is good for me that I was afflicted. So in other words, the psalmist is saying, you know what? It's okay. It's actually good that I found myself in this place. It is good that I have these people that are spreading lies about me. It is good that their heart is unfeeling like fat. Why? Well, he goes on to say that I might learn your statutes. So we have actually seen a complete transformation here. We've seen an actual growth happen in these few verses because if you look back at verse 67, he says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now he's saying, it's good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. So there's a growth that has happened here. You know, the psalmist has realized that the very affection that he was experiencing or affliction that he was experiencing as a result of those who spread lies about him actually drove him to the word of God. See, the very affliction that once caused him to stray now leads him straight to the word of God. And why? That he may learn. You know, part of what happens as we live everyday life and as we make choices one way or another to respond to a stimuli or a situation is that we have an opportunity to learn. We have an opportunity to step back from something and see it through God's eyes. 
And I believe this is exactly what the psalmist is doing, it's, and it's beautiful to see. Uh, Luther said that I never knew the, the meaning of God's word until I came into affliction. I have always found it one of my best schoolmasters. And see, the thing is, is that sometimes the very uh, thing that we don't expect to come out of affliction is actually the very thing that does. And that's it, it, that it drives us to the place that we should be to begin with. Uh, and that's in the Word of God, close to our Savior, close to the God who cares, um, the God who looks over and watches over us, the God, as he said, it, that is good and does good. And then finally, verse 72, it says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. See, the thing is, unregenerate man does, never, does not come to this conclusion, never comes to this realization that God's word is better than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And I think even as you look at our world today, one of the greatest divides is wealth. Now, the first thing you're going to come and think of is gold and silver. But you know what? There is wealth in possessions. There is wealth in property. But there's also wealth in purpose, wealth in happiness, wealth in love, wealth in friends, wealth in status and fame, wealth in health, and wealth in freedom. See, the thing is that the psalmist has chosen one particular aspect of, of wealth where, you know, we can take a look at it today and see that there is a wealth in all kinds of things in our world today. But he particularly isolates on silver and gold. And see, from a my, an earthly mindset, there is much ease and comfort in thousands of pieces of silver and gold. You know, movies have been made about that. Uh, you know, lifestyles have been created from that. Uh, you know, and the question I need to ask you this morning as we're uh, finishing out our time is what value do you assign the Word of God in your life? And that's a question that I ask myself, uh, and it's a question that we all need to ask ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ. Listen to this uh, Baptist Press News article. It was a study that says America's fond, uh, Americans fond of Bible, but how many read it? And I just pulled a few things out of this article. It was pretty eye-opening. But it says almost 9 out of 10 households, in other words, 87% own a Bible, according to the American Bible Society. That's a pretty high percentage. And it says in the average household has three. So here we have multiple uh, copies of the Word of God. But yet the study finds, amazingly enough, that yes, people are fond of the Bible as a book to have, but how many actually read it? It says the more often, in this article goes on to say, the more often Americans attend church, the more likely they are to read the Bible daily. 39% of those who attend worship services at least once a month read a bit every day, while only 13% of those who attend services less than once a month pick up a Bible daily. So you see the, the fact of us gathering together, and we've spoken a lot about this in relation to how COVID has affected the church uh, and made it so that uh, through fear uh, of gathering together because of an unseen enemy, uh, that it can actually have a profound effect even on our feeding on the Word of God outside of church. And so here is a, a call that is good for us to gather together because as we gather together, it's a reminder that we need to be in the Word of God. 
And that's more than just, you know, listening to a sermon online. Uh, That is more than listening to the pastor preach on Sunday. It's more than going to Sunday school or to a men's Bible study. It means actually taking time on your own to delve deeply into the Word of God. It goes on in this article to say, men are more likely to skip Bible reading than women. 39% of men say they do not read the Bible on their own, compared to 31% of women. And interestingly enough, this article had something to say about the Northeast. So here you go, New England. Folks in the Northeast, 48% are more likely to never pick up a Bible than those from other regions. So as sad as that sounds, I think that it is actually a call. Because we can look at this and say, well, that's just the way things are. Or we can take a look at this and say, something needs to change. And we have within our ability, within the power of God in us, to have a change. To choose, as the psalmist has, to not look at things as the glass half empty, but as the glass half full. Can you say that you prefer the Word of God over all the pursuits of wealth in this life? Wealth in possessions, wealth in property, wealth in purpose, wealth in happiness, wealth in love, wealth in friends, wealth in status and fame, wealth in health, wealth in freedom. See, the psalmist finishes and says, the law of your mouth is better to me. See, he sees the importance of the word of God. You know, and matter of fact, in verse 69, says, he says, I keep your precepts. Verse 70, he says, I delight in your law. In verse 71, he says that I might learn your statutes. Do you see the engaging aspect of the psalmist? He's not just sitting by. His Bible is not just on a coffee table. His Bible is not just on a shelf collecting dust until the next time uh, you decide to go to church. The law of your mouth is better to me. He keeps it. He delights in it. He, he learns it. Let me close by sharing a sobering thought with you in relation to whether or not you with your own mouth, proclaim what the psalmist says, that the law of God's mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This same month, October, uh, but October 6th of 1536, William Tyndale was burned alive at the stake for the crime of translating the Bible into English. And his dying words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. Well, church family, I think this is a call for us today. Lord, open up the eyes of Ellington Baptist Church. Open up the eyes of those who live in Ellington and the surrounding communities. Lord, open up the eyes of New England so that they may see and be willing to make the sacrifice to have the the law of, of God's mouth be better to me than all the wealth of the world. William Tyndale gave his life so that we could have an English translation of the Bible. And he didn't say something derogatory on his deathbed as he was there being consumed uh, alive by the flames. Instead, what he did is said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes, because he knew that the word of God transforms people, because it's truth. It's not a lie. And that's something that the psalmist Sees And he sees, too, that the God deals with us according to his word. And his word says that he will hold us accountable, that there is a time coming 
uh, where we will die and face judgment. And so may we, like the psalmist, may we, like William Tyndale, may we, like those that have come before us, be those that have a hunger and a thirst, that we keep God's precepts, that we might learn his statutes, that we delight in his law, because it's better to us than everything else. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today's lesson. Lord, we thank you for this encouragement midweek to uh, be able to push us forward, uh, to cause us to stop uh, and reflect. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the boldness of the psalmist. We thank you for his heart, the fact that he delighted in you. And Lord, may we as believers in 2020 make the conscious effort, make the conscious decision to delight in you as well. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you, church family, for joining us today. I hope you have a great remainder of uh, this week uh, as we uh, celebrate the Word of God on October the 14th, 2020.